the Oklahoma Business Roundtable. This organization promotes new business investment throughout Oklahoma, including funding support for startup, retention, expansion, and attraction of business facilities and operations. Learn more about them at okbusinessroundtable.com. This is the Oklahoma Innovate That Podcast. In each episode, we talk to the scientists, CEOs, inventors, entrepreneurs, and innovators that are helping to make Oklahoma a national leader in science, innovation, and technology. The Innovate That Podcast is a production of OCAST, the Oklahoma Center for the Advancement of Science and Technology. OCAST is the Oklahoma State Agency for Technology-Based Economic Development and is working to move innovative ideas from concept to commercialization. Learn more at ocast.ok.gov. Enjoy this episode of the Oklahoma Innovate That Podcast. Now, here's your host, Oklahoma Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell. Hey everybody, it is Oklahoma Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell coming to you with another episode of our Oklahoma Innovate That Podcast, an OCAST production. We bring you great Oklahomans, great companies around the state of Oklahoma that are doing amazing, innovative things. And uh, today, we certainly have one of those individuals, one of those great companies. We're going to be talking about the global water crisis today and what is being done right here in Oklahoma to help solve it. Pretty amazing story. I, I got connected with this group a number of years ago and just love their heart and how innovative they have been. Many of you know that this water crisis, it claims about 3.4 million people every single year, which is crazy to think about. That's because 2.1 billion people lack access to clean water. And on top of that, 34% of the world's population lack improved sanitation facilities, which again, I mean, those three statistics right there should tell us everything we need to know about a global crisis that we have on our hands here. And so the company that is helping solve that right here in Oklahoma is Water 4, the number four. A local nonprofit has made its mission to make those statistics a thing of the past. Water 4 believes that this crisis cannot be solved with charity alone, but rather action, education, and implementation of clean water standards on the ground in these affected areas. That's why they take this solution to the communities affected and partner with them which is key to this whole thing, to maintain their own clean water systems, uh, which helps to create a water infrastructure that is sustainable. And with us today, we have Matt Hangen. Matt, thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. He represents the company and is joining us today. He's CEO and president of Water4. And, you know, Matt, I've got a number of questions here. We'll just kind of just jump right into this. But first, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and, and what's your background? I mean, how did you get into this? Yeah, I am from a town of 3,000 in rural Alabama. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm a transplant to Oklahoma. I live in Guthrie right now. Nice, so, good. And, One uh, of my in, favorite towns. In the heart of America. Yeah, Guthrie's amazing. My background is redneck, theologian, yes. West African missionary. Wow. So that's okay. uh, that's the short of it. But uh, I, I went to seminary, got involved in missions. And when we joined a missionary team in West Africa, I was sent there to help local churches become independent of missionaries. Okay. So to be aut yep. autonomous and be on their own. And we intersected the water crisis by watching one of the pastors lose a child to the water crisis and was there during his, his death uh, at a hospital and uh, watched the despair and experienced the pain of that. And that was our entry to the water crisis. I didn't know it existed before then. And that resulted in me building a drill kit out of junk 
scrap metal from a scrap yard with a local welder drilling a well and then seeing transformation ripple across the community and i've been hooked uh, how, how many since. years ago was that i was in 2009 that was 09 okay yeah. okay and again grew up in alabama when you're doing that when did you move to oklahoma when so did we, that happen? we moved to oklahoma in 2013 okay um, okay so we had been partnering with water for since 2010 okay. when they launched their first website and we're just getting started yeah that's great. Well, you've spoken a little bit about this, and, and I, you know, I kind of teed this up in the intro, but you know, why water and what led you to Africa? Yeah, so for me personally, like I say, water was sort of accidental. You know, where, where I lived in Alabama, we had a water table at 30 feet, yep. of sandy soil, and my dad actually hand drove a water well that had a hand pump on it because we lived so far out in the country, we would lose power during hurricanes for two weeks at a time. So we had a little hand pump we'd yeah. you know, pump water in. So when we experienced this loss of this uh, uh, young boy, it just seemed natural to drill a well and drive a well because I'd seen it done before, you know, and uh, it, it seemed like if, you know, water was less than 100 feet from the surface, which it is for more than half of sub-Saharan Africa, we should just get out here and dig a well. Yeah. So that's really, you know, how it was lost. And then just having had the random experience of someone in my generation having actually seen a hand pump yeah. in America yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. was was pretty neat. <laughs> I yeah. bet. I have no doubt. So what makes Water4 a unique nonprofit organization? I mean, the thing that makes us unique is our founders, Dick and Terry Greenlee, which are from Oklahoma. Who OSU. I've met, yeah. right, at, when I toured your facility. Yeah, yeah they're okay. OSU grad. And okay. They uh, started a nonprofit with the desire to put it out of business. You know, yeah. that was right. sort of, that's one of the unique yeah. things about us. And they are serial entrepreneurs. They own Pumps of Oklahoma, a local water pump company. They said, you know, from the get-go, we have to do this in a way where local people can do this on their own without us. And so we built drilling equipment. We built our own pump and then started training local people in Africa to do this on their own rather than needing you know americans to come over and do the work for them or giving things away and that evolved into you know complex model that we have today around pretty sophisticated business solution in africa i think what makes us unique is just this idea that people have the potential to solve their own problems and we should come alongside them we should teach a man to fish yep. and then watch him take it to market and hire someone to haul the fish right. to market yeah. and, you know, all the other economic development. Yeah, that comes it, with it. it goes further than that, yeah, yeah, than just teaching them to fish. What does the four in Water 4 stand for? Yeah, so the four in Water 4 stands for faith, innovation, reimagine, and empowerment. Now, did you come up with that, or was that from the founders? Did the founders come up with that from day <laughs> one? Or No, our, our name four initially just meant like Water 4, uh, gotcha. South Africa. Yes. It was cool back in 2008 to, to do that. And uh, we realized we had a real opportunity because everyone always asks us, what's the four mean? And yeah. so we, we anchored you, our, you our ain't, values okay. into those. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Is there a greater success rate in your model versus the charity systems of another model? Because, again, I mean, you know, those listening to this – if you live in Oklahoma, it's a very faith-based, you know, state. There's probably a lot of people listening to this that went on a mission trip or, yeah. you know, or are missionaries. Uh, is there a greater success rate in your model versus others? Yeah, so the typical charity models resulted in a second water crisis, and that's 35 to 70 percent of the water projects in Africa are broken at any one time. Wow. So there's this catastrophic nearly two billion person crisis of, you know, water access, but then there's a second crisis, which is the solutions we're implementing are breaking at, an, you know, a breakneck speed. 
So our model by having a local business be the continuous service provider, which is what we do for our air conditioners and what we do for our swimming pools. You know, we have people come and service those technologies. We're just setting up local businesses that actually come and maintain those water projects. You're creating a utility system. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the the difference for us is we monitor through an app and through all these digital platforms, pumps, and every month we get a red light, yellow light, green light status on the water systems and can physically see and monitor the performance of each pumping system, which gives us 100% uptime yeah. in a world where most of it's 30 to 50% uptime. So, so do you, going off script here a little bit, but if there's a mission trip, a high school that wants to go on a mission trip, can they partner with Water 4? Do you do that? I mean, because again, you know, I mean, I was, I went on a lot of mission trips, right? Yeah. But I, I didn't do this. I, you know, we went and we, you know, painted a church or did a well. I mean, I did, I didn't do that, but I know others do. Yeah. And then they build it and they leave and there is no company there locally. But do you send mission trips, uh, mission teams to companies that you've set up? We've created a group to work with local pastors to help train in theological education. Yeah. And that's because most pastors in Africa have less than seven days of theological training. And they're put out there on these frontier churches to yeah. do this difficult work with no yeah. training. So we've, we've got a cohort-based project that worked pre-COVID that will we'll spool back up once COVID starts. But on the drilling, installation, and tech part, we have 600 entrepreneurs that are out there doing that work every day Wow, that are better than any of us yes. could get out and do yeah. the work. So we'll take people to go see and experience and learn mm-hmm. from these businesses. But you know, the good thing about what we're doing is the hands-on work is being done by really capable yeah. you know, local people. Yeah. How are your communities selected? And are you just in Africa? Are you other other countries? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's, you know, the goal there is to take it across the world. But how, how are communities selected today? We, so since we started, we've worked in nearly 40 countries. We say yes to everything and everybody and went yeah. everywhere, which is what most nonprofits have to do to survive. Yeah. We currently work in nine countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. So we're all across the sort of like middle and lower belt of sub-Saharan Africa. And we take a county-wide approach. So what we want to do is go in and find an, a county where the municipality, the mayor, and the governor is ready for this sort of initiative. Got it. And we actually bring total water coverage access across the county. So in places where you have about 10, 15% water coverage, in the course of five years, we'll have 100% water coverage there. Wow. All with one business, maintaining, installing, and then uh, surviving off the yeah. revenues from those water points. And that for us means that you know every home, every school, every clinic has access to water. No one has to make a choice to drink dirty water you know, at home, but not at school. Because if one cup of foul, dirty water is all it takes to make you sick and yeah. keep you sick. And so we want to create, you know, an oasis of safe water. That, I remember that part when I walked, did a walk, you know, did a tour of your facility. I mean, again, that seems very elementary, but again, it's it, not it, the way we approach it's it. It's not the way we approach it. Yeah. So, you know, when there's a crisis, we tend to react in a reactionary way. And so we just took a step back and thought, if we really want to put this fire out, yeah. we're going to have to start at one corner and move to the mm-hmm. other. And yeah. so we defined areas, we made five, 10-year plans, and then we started working with government to actually see the water crisis ended. The saying is, if you can't boil an ocean, and that's what I think we're trying to do with the water crisis. But if we put it in a pot, uh-huh. you know, one pot at a time, yeah. we can bring it to a boil. That's good. How are the people who run the companies selected? It's a variety of experience. Early on, we were like everybody where it was just, you know, somebody had a connection. Bob Goff, a friend Mm -hmm. of Waterford, just knew somebody in Uganda and kids that come out of an orphanage. And 
we would just train and work and those that had skills evolved. Yeah. Now we're to the point where, you know, it's people coming out of college with marketing degrees or, cool. you know, it's mostly youth employment and people that, you know, were actually putting out resumes and posting them yeah. to job forums and interviewing and bringing these young professionals into growing businesses. And how many communities have you helped? And, you know, you talked about the different countries there, but we're at 1.8 million people. Uh, with 7,800 water projects. Seven, over 7,000 projects. So that's going to represent, you know, over 6,000 or so different communities yeah. that have been impacted by water. That's forward. great. So all in Africa or uh, other parts of the world, right? So currently we're just focused in Africa. Yeah. And that's a part of this because we've one business will actually go train and support a newer business. And so the, we send people from Africa into different countries in Africa to train others and build support so that we can keep making more and more companies and more and more impact locally. Sure. We're an anaerobic organization here where we're (laughs) kind of redlined, Uh always looking for oxygen because we want to build as much capacity in Africa as we can. So what are some of those long-term goals with Water 4 here? The crazy thing we're trying to do is show that the water crisis can be eradicated through a business approach. Yeah. And so by 2030, we're hoping to have 5 million people under continuous water service in 20 different counties okay. in nine countries. Got it. And that, there's the sustainable development goals that the UN's launched. And one of those is that there'd be safe water on premise that's sustainably managed. Hmm. So what we'll be able to say is for this amount of money and this many people in these confined areas, we've done that. And hopefully that'll turn the key from just relying on charity as the only solution for the water crisis for them to say, well, there's, you know, there's over, there's 1 billion people at least that could benefit from this approach. Yes. Let's start putting business money where business works, charity money where charity works, government money where government works. And again, take that ocean and you know, start to put it in containers so we can solve the crisis. A wonderful goal for sure. But yeah, I mean, I I love asking companies what the long-term vision is. They actually have an answer for it. Yeah. You know, know, it's it's impressive. So do you see this model working in other types of industries? Yeah. You know, I actually think about this a lot. Like what we've done is the typical water delivery approach is highly centralized. And so there's a large infrastructure project, large water treatment plant, and then they pipe water out for 50 to 100 miles from these treatment plants out to communities. Well, by decentralizing it, it actually has reduced the cost for us substantially because we have shorter pipelines. We are able to decentralize the water storage, which means you don't have a high infrastructure cost. It's you know a lot less to build, a lot less capital cost. And then we, uh, we built a modular treatment system that has interchangeable filtration parts, depending on the water quality and the water needs. And so I think decentralization and economies of scale and high volume, low margin models are applicable to a lot of different industries. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So, you know, again, we've talked, you guys are headquarters here in in Oklahoma City. You do work all over uh, the world, obviously. What types of actual products do you manufacture here in Oklahoma? Like I said, we've built a, a, a manual well drilling kit okay. that you think of like a, a multi-tool screwdriver. Yep. How you've got 20 bits for one screwdriver uh-huh. head. We did that with well drilling. So there's a suite of augers, a suite of hammers. Got it. There's clay tools, rock tools, and it reduced the need to have to have a huge truck to carry drilling equipment to having basically three different, you think, screwdrivers with you know 20 or 25 different heads that you put on those. That was one of the big innovations, a tripod that folds down flat, no tool weighs more than 50 pounds, 
can be flown over on an airplane and checked luggage. Yeah. There's a lot of like innovation around man, drilling man. equipment. We've designed a hand pump that's PVC that doesn't have a, uh, a friction-based lifting system in it, which is really novel. That's $250 compared to the cost of $1,000 traditional hand pump. We've created a hand pump chlorinator that works on the two main hand pumps that exist around the world, which actually allows a healthcare clinic to have chlorinated water for maternal child care and delivery, mm. uh, which is the just launching most innovative that's been tried for development needs. And then we developed a, a piped water system that we call NUMA that does piped water treatment for really low OPEX costs that allows a $2 a day consumer to afford it. And so all of that is manufactured <laughs> on 10th street. <laughs> yeah. On 10th street invented. I mean, cause essentially you're, you're, I mean, do you have patents on these products? So, so we've open patented some patent yeah. pending some, the other process we've done is just made it public. So it can't be patented. Yeah. The stuff we have, we haven't tried to do uh, profit generation yeah. with. We've tried to just get it out to market. We haven't, because we're a nonprofit, to ask for the money to patent something sure. hasn't been something we're after yet. The people that are inventing these products, where are you hiring these people from? How big is the staff? Our U.S.-based staff is 21 people. Yeah. And so we're kind of a small yeah. U.S.-based staff. And like I say, in Africa, there's 600 right. different employees of businesses that are there. You know, another guy in Guthrie, it's, you know, former well drillers, so former well OSU drill, grads, yeah. OSU, OU grads, engineers, Dr. Sabatini's Water Center. We've got two of our employees have come out of, of that at OU. Neat. And uh, yeah, just a grab bag of crazy people that yeah. are joining around this cause. I, I love this story so much. That's great. What are, uh, well, th- this is another question on, on the, so are, is it assembled here, then shipped, or, or shipped, then assembled? Again, you kind of talked about how you could it's fit a, in a carry-on, some it, of the stuff in a carry-on. Bag. Yeah, it depends on the business size. So the businesses can range from 200 employees down to, to 25. And so the competency level of each business determines whether we, how much we prepackage what we ship. So Got we'll it. send raw materials to the, the businesses that have manufacturing capacity in Africa. Yeah. And then we'll send prefab materials to those that are younger and don't have fabrication. And that's a part of our business model in Africa is we vertically integrated them where they manufacture tools and equipment, they drill wells and install the pumps, and then they maintain the pumps through a fee-based service. And so the that integration of services takes time to develop yeah. in, a, in a new yeah. company. So what are some of the benefits of the business climate in Oklahoma? For one thing, Oklahomans are highly entrepreneurial. One of the uh, maxims that we live by is do what you can with what you have where you are. And that's about as much an Oklahoman you know, mentality as possible. That's good. And so you've got highly entrepreneurial, highly, you know, MacGyvery yeah. culture here, well drilling and water drilling. Our founder, uh, Terry Greenley, you know, her grandmother drilled a well at her homestead that she got in the land rush. Land yeah. And so I would just say in general, uh, the business culture is you know, risk tolerant. Yeah. And then people are highly generous, highly faith-based. And we've just had a lot of cooperation from different drilling, valving companies and innovators that are here that just That's cool. know, love the business approach. They get yeah. the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to our people sometimes. Yeah. What are some of the similarities or differences in the American workforce versus the African workforce? Oh, gosh. Uh, my staff will murder me if I talk too much <laughs> about that. I, I, one thing I would say is when you look at someone who's living in material poverty, mm-hmm. like they, it, there's a tenacity. There's, you know, they're in every moment trying to create wealth yeah. because there's scarcity of wealth. Yeah. 
And I say, you know, in America, we often are spending that much time trying to figure out how to spend our wealth. We're not, you know, focused on creating it. Yeah. So you've, you just have a lot of hardworking, high dedicated, you know, hungry workforce in Africa that, you know, is um, ready to get out there and, and jump into it. It's not that we don't have that here, but, you know, we have more preoccupations about our, you know, break rooms and yes. uh, yeah. s- snacks and, yeah. s- you know, some other benefits that preoccupy us a little more than I can workforce there. Yeah, that's right. I can see that. Well, we always end these these interviews, and you, you mentioned, you spoke to some of this already when you talked about the business climate, but, you know, why Oklahoma? There's companies that, that listen to this podcast around the country or, or companies in Oklahoma that uh, but but why Oklahoma? Why should someone relocate here, business operate here? I say I am a transplant, so I can say this, right. you know, from uh, with authority. But yeah. I, I just the, the the friendliness and the drive are mm-hmm. kind of uncommon. Yeah, you've got a, a high culture of acceptance and welcome, and um, um, you know, a high gratitude culture. But there's also a high drive for progress in business, and that's. That's nice. You're really driven like I am. It's nice to have that, but also have the, you know, neighborly sort of feel of the community that's here. Half our support as an organization comes directly from Oklahomans and both Crossings Church, Jasco, Pumps, Oklahoma, some of these core icons, the Hudeberg family that have, you know, jumped in and taken risks for us to get to where we are today. Sure. When we talk to other nonprofits, they talk about how rare that is to have such a huge backing because 100% of our support was Oklahoma-based until the last five years. Uh, we, we owe everything we are to Oklahomans. So where can people go to learn more about Water 4? Yeah, go to our website, water4.org. Okay, uh, the, so number that, four? the number 4? The number 4.org. And then we're on all the social platforms that you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and then we're on uh, 10th and Villa. Okay. And so you can actually email we love to have people down for tours. Yeah. You can see the R&D workshop and actually see equipment being made in process. You have kids that can actually drill in our warehouse and fill the tools and equipment, let water come out of one of our solar systems. So it's more than just watch a video type tour. Yeah. So if you or your company would like to come down, we're great at hosting and making it a real hands-on experience. Well, that's great. I hope people listening take you up on that. So I, listen, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for what you do, the impact that you guys are making, and, and the fact that you know, you're doing it right here from Oklahoma, the friendliest state in the country that's right. with the most drive. That's quite the brand right yep. there. So, <laughs> Matt, thank you again for being here. My pleasure. Thanks.